Welcome back, beautiful people. This is episode 70 of An Untold Narrative. This is episode one of having a return guest, though. Uh, we feature a return guest, Brett Goliff, who is an unbelievable uh, creator, designer, friend, mentor of mine, I'll add in there, uh, has a, a beautifully married, has a lovely family, uh, COVID survivor, I assume. You've done just about everything imaginable in your career, and you're just transitioning into a new phase of your life. So I'm so excited to get into the conversation. This is going to be structured a little bit differently. Most times we go back uh, in history, going back to people's childhoods, how the way they grew up. Go back to the previous episode with Brett to get into all of that and his time uh, through New Balance and doing his freelance work and his time at GM. He could talk all about that. We're going to get into the good stuff today. Brett, how are you feeling? What's going on? One, thank thank you for the, the kind intro. I, I truly value it. I'm so <laughs> amazed that I didn't realize when I'm so amazed I'm your 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 first return. Uh, yeah, so, so thank you. I truly enjoy it and I, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm feeling personally extraordinary. I'm feeling really good, feeling uh, better better than I've felt in many years and a long time for many reasons, but um, I feel really good. I kind of feel like I'm finally, finally starting to figure out what life is supposed to be to some extent. And uh, so, and you, yeah. You figured it out at, a, at an amazing point. You just turned 38, so happy belated yesterday. Just for 38. And most people think 38 is like you're old and washed up and done. Um, yeah. But you're just said that you're feeling the best you've ever felt. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think for me. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I was talking with a, another friend who's, who's, oh gosh, he's got to be 10 years older than me. And I used to always give him crap. It was that new balance, but he'd be like, yeah, by the time you're 45, you better have all your good shoes. <laughs> because it's over. And, uh, and I was like, no, I don't believe any of that. I've always kind of rebelled against that thought. Uh, and he, you know, he, he was joking when you say that stuff, but there, there is some accuracy to it to some extent, but yeah, for me, man, I feel like I finally hit the point of understanding what creates good balance in life and creates good product and how you work with that and how you uh, are able to bring the best out of yourself given any situation and other pieces like that. I, I don't have a mastered by any means, but I think that I, I have, I figured out the journey that's right for me is, is the best way of saying that. Yeah. So we have a ton of, I'll call them younger listeners who are maybe up and coming creatives or designers or people trying to figure out the the right way or the wrong way to do things that we're just trying to figure it out, right? All of us are trying to figure it out. Um, and you just made um, a decision, but uh, to transition your career specifically in your family life. But before we get into that, like you did go through the corporate ladder structure, right? So your most recent job, you know, we definitely should talk about it a little bit. Like you're design director at, at uh, GM, uh, you know, managing a full team, uh, I forget how many people you told me you managed, but it was a, it was a lot. It was a lot, yeah. Um, so not, I didn't make it all the way to director. If we go off of footwear terms, then yes, I was equivalent to what a director was. Uh, the way they break it down, the GM structure is there's a there's a layer in between that. Uh, so I was a, a design manager, uh, a global design manager for Chevrolet, Corvette, and then at one point Hummer uh, when it was first starting. Dude, you, dude, you you put the word global in your title. I'm pretty sure it's just the equivalent to director. <laughs> uh, well, you got to put global because like we have studios in multiple places or well, I shouldn't say we, they have studios in multiple places 
Uh, realistically, that meant Korea and Shanghai and Brazil. Um, and yeah, I mean, the Chevrolet brand is our biggest global brand. And I was, you know, the one that helped mitigate the creative vision of of what we were doing uh, amongst with like my my peers and people above. And, you know, I had calls, you know, damn near 24 seven, it felt like, <laughs> and uh, you worked your way through and it was always interesting. I mean, in the sense of the dotted line, global roles in the sense of like, well, one, each of our organizations are different, like design reports to design in America. Uh, but like in Korea, design reports to engineering, and then in China, design reported to marketing. And that's like just entirely different structures of thought process and what runs the business and, and who has the say of what you're doing, you know? Uh, sure. But nonetheless, yeah, I did that for a long time. My team, I honestly, like, as I look back in in the transition and the shifting of that, and that it's the, uh, the the greatest blessing I had was was my team. I'm so thankful with like the way it played out and and how, I mean, somebody that I considered to be like the best person as my backfill, we were able to navigate properly to take over my spot and had this beautiful transition and and handoff and, and it was awesome. So, that's yeah. that's that's really great to hear, right? And like that's that's amazing. You get to work global and around the clock and. And for those listening, right, like, what is it, what do you think is one thing that separated you from everybody else to, to be able to, to, to progress and have success, right, in the design field? You went from footwear, you, you go to automotive, uh, you're able to manage people. So, you know, myself included, like, I had opportunities to manage upwards of five people. And, like, that's a big task, right? You have to put them first at all hours of the day, anytime they reach out, anytime they need support. Like, you work for them, they don't work for you, like how did you balance all of that? Like what separates you from other people? Like, is it just the work ethic and working around the clock or is there, is there another magic nugget in, in breath brain? Um, I, you know, you have to find the thing that does work for you, right? Like what worked for me may not work for you and it may not work for anybody that's listening or something. But for me, like one gift that I didn't know that I had you know, most of us that are designers and creatives and other pieces like that, whatever is listening, anybody that uses that creative mindset, in some way, it's getting people to understand your vision. However you do that, that could be drawing, that could be painting, sculpting, rendering, it doesn't matter what it is, you, you can make it out of a paper bag, it doesn't matter as long as you put that across the table. Uh, what I learned at a very, very young age, uh, predominantly in high school, was that communication was probably my greatest tool. Uh, and I transitioned that and was able to adapt that to whatever. And I think reading the room as you get mm. into these corporate areas and just even generally in life, knowing what somebody needs. Uh, I always tried, there's many layers in the corporate structure. And, you know, I can sit here and talk about GM's layers, but it's 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 anybody, it's anywhere. It doesn't matter the size of your your place, but there's many layers that that comes into it. And I always try to be very keen of how many different pieces of feedback they're getting and what where it's coming from. And am I just adding noise to it or am I helping them? Like, am I, am I truly, is if we're going to have this meeting, because, you know, you, you're working with me at, at, at 9, 10 p.m., obviously, you know that I put my kids to sleep and then we we go on this, right? <laughs> I did I did the same thing with them. So there'd be times that I was taking calls at 10, 30, 11 o'clock with Shanghai, you know, it's their morning and I would do the same thing with Korea. And then, you know, Brazil is not that far off in our time zones, but you you would navigate that stuff. 
And if I was going to do that and eat into my own time, I was going to make sure that it was worthwhile and added value. It wasn't us just checking the box. So communication was always one. Adaptability was the other. And a lot of times what I tried to do, this sounds kind of bad and I don't, I don't, I hope it doesn't have the weight that it made sound, but was to kind of look at around at the other leaders and the predecessors and what was the stuff that was very glaringly wrong, mm. uh, not necessarily in getting things uh, done wrong, but in the sense of like, how are we cultivating the best creative? At the end of the day, our responsibility is creativity. And we can let engineering engineer and figure out how they're going to make their mandates and do what they have to do. But I was there to enable creativity. And if I wasn't doing that, I just saw it as a failure. Uh, so I just made sure. And then the other part was I was always keenly aware of the stuff that I was blessed and capable to create and work on. And just making sure that that wasn't something that weighed over somebody else's head when I was doing it. I right. tried to let them be them, you know? Wow, that is a, I, I hope people have their notepads out because that was at least four or five massive things that people can uh, adapt or transition or, or or look at internally for themselves if that's what they want to do in their careers. You know, some people just want to be a designer. Other people want to be a manager or director or whatever it is. Um, one thing that I think about a lot, a lot lately is because we we're, we're very like-minded in the sense that we work around the clock because we do what we like, right? Yep. Now, the hard part is, is like you're taking a call at 10, 11 o'clock at night, or you're, you're working that late and you look around and by look around, I mean like either on social media or your peers, or you have conversations and not everybody does that. Or even around mm -hmm. the corporation, you see that people shut off at 5 p.m. and then they don't look at anything the next morning and they might be at a similar level that you are. So like, what's what's your driving force to doing that? Like, I personally can't, I haven't figured that out yet. I just, I'm just like, I know there's a greater purpose to me working and and doing all this creative and and making sure that we put the best product out there. But But I also know in the back of my brain, that I could also do two, three hours less. And I don't right. think anybody would say anything. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I'm kind of going through that now in the transition of, of, of leaving there and the stuff that I was already kind of doing uh, because it didn't alleviate my schedule by anything. <laughs> anything. I was just like, all right, fill it up. Right. And like, just jumped at it. One, I think one of the things that, you know, like, like one of the I'll probably only speak highly of GM, but like one of the real things that I had was the opportunity to have access to like legit leadership training, right? Like Stanford's and Harvard's and other various things like that and get to go through these mini courses and really be able to go through that stuff. And I think because of most of those trainings really focus on you and not necessarily your flaws, but but stuff to to pay attention to. Because a lot of times like, you know, I mean, you can look around, you can see him over my shoulder and you can see this other stuff, right? Like Mike has always been like a massive influence in my life in some way, shape or form. And it's funny, like talking to other people that have spent real time with him and done other things with him. It's very clear that like a lot of athletes and a lot of people that have that very driven, like they can't communicate or translate what makes them great. And they look at people that don't work. So then they're, they're like, well, your work ethic isn't like mine. So you're worthless, right? Like you're not the same as me. So going through a lot of those trainings, I was able to learn like in some way, shape or forms, I have a massive ego. I think all of us do if you're in this kind of spot because you're saying your vision's right. 
And I had to learn that I can't get other people to behave like me. And I have to be okay with that. Like I have to be okay that they are not going to be me and we're not going to have the same views and visions. That took me a long time. I would argue that that was probably my main issue with New Balance at the time was that like, I just wanted to come in fresh out of college and sit and draw shoes and be like, you know, the quote unquote shoe dog with everybody. And there was maybe two of them two of us within the whole thing that were that way at that time. That's not a critique current. That's 15 years ago now. Right. Um, and I had to realize that I was seeking something different, but I wasn't mature enough to do that. So as I look at my journey now and I look at like what drives me to continue doing it is realizing that that is who I am and I'm okay with that. And if the people that I'm surrounded by, you know, in, in particular, that would be my family, uh, as long as it's not screwing their scenario up and I'm not cutting time short and eliminating them, then there shouldn't be any issue with it. Um, and, you know, also knowing a balance, like I do have a tendency to have a burnout where like I'll hit things like really hard for like three weeks. And then for like 10 days, I'm like, I don't want to touch a pencil um, or a pen or whatever you want to call it. And that like that, that has helped me in the past three years to have a better end using, I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll be transparent. I have a therapist and stuff like that and being able to communicate with, with them and him and, and see some of these little pieces. So have the warning signs of when it's coming. So therefore I know not to do it continuously. Uh, but the, the real challenge that you have of a lot of that stuff is, is, is understanding when it's probably understanding when you're doing it solely for yourself and it's not better for the team around you or the project around you. And if you're doing it in both ways of understanding that it is better for yourself because you get the best out of yourself, but then it's not reflecting into the team. Cool. You've balanced it properly. Mm. But if you haven't, it just doesn't, it, it, you're only doing it to do it right. And to say it, because there was like, like even, you know, I don't know about when, when you went to design school, but man, there were so many stupid kids. Who were like, I was up all night yeah. and I drew and, you know, and it was like, that's cool. I never did that. In fact, I didn't pull my first all nighter until like, I was like eight years out of college. And it was because I knew of like, I knew of what it would take out of me. Like I knew that it would keep me from being able to do it. I'm far better. I succeed in life. Even like, I'll give you, I'll give you another story in a second, but I'm far better at five and a half hours of sleep than I am at eight or nine hours of sleep. And I know like, just do the simple calculation of you staying up 24 hours, then you got to like catch back up the next two. Like, just let me roll with my five and a half and I'm good. In mm -hmm. fact, like, I think it was Monday night. It was the, the night before my birthday. Like I went to bed at like 1030. And as I was laying down, I was like, yo, you're going to be up at four. Four o'clock came right around. Couldn't fall back asleep. So it's like, you just get to work. I, See, that's, that's what I did. That's so fascinating. Cause like my, what I've figured out about myself is my, my happy sleep time is seven hours. Like I need, if I get less, if I'll, I'll survive on six, but like every night I'm in bed by 10 30 and I need to wake up at five 30. Like that's my, that's my jam. And then I have full force energy. If I go on four or five hours, like you're not getting hundred percent Dave. And if I do that, then, then to your comment earlier about managing and, and working on yourself to figure out when you're burning out that three, four weeks, it's wildly similar lifestyle I live where then I like shut down and I like just get really moody. And even though 
I'm a positive motherfucker. Like I inject my ear yeah. everything yeah. positive, but I still know in the back of my throat and my brain, like I'm not happy in those days. And it's a real struggle to get through, but it's great that you're working on it and you're figuring it out. Right. Like a lot of people don't yeah. do that until they're like really old and washed up at like 50 or 60 and <laughs> you're doing it way younger. Self-awareness is key. Like, <laughs> like uh, I, um, I've had like a, I like if I have a project going right, like I'll, I'll have like post-it notes and all these other stuff up, and I'll put like dates, and then like in the parentheses next to the date, I was like, realistically, this is gonna happen like a week and a half later. <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Like, I know just like the way I work and the way it is, like, oh, all right, balances properly. So like, I, human failure in human nature is always going to happen. You can sit there and learn as much as you want about yourself, about the process, tell that you're going to change yourself, tell that you're going to do these other things, but it's harder than just working on it. And the way I felt, you know, and it's, it's fascinating because I actually had my, my bi-weekly therapy session today and we talked a lot about Buddhism. And I mean, a lot of it realistically is like, just embrace the world for what it is and learn to navigate it in the proper way and know that it's not always going to be that way. For every good thing, there's a bad thing. For every bad thing, there's a good thing. And just learning to balance and ride the wave as opposed to forcing the wave to change mm. is, is much, in my, my view, is much easier and more progressive. Do you think um, this transformation of a pet, you mentioned three years pr prior, um, has provided like an inflection point even like on your career and like why mm -hmm. you recently um left corporate to, to kind of do your own thing like I'd even you know want you to talk about a little bit of you've been balancing doing freelance work and corporate work for such a long time a lot of people can't do that right like you are a special human who is able to work around the clock not everybody can do that but like you know what why did you make the decision? Like, how have you been able to do it so long? Like what, what, what's the threshold that your life has reached that, that really like pushed it over the edge to make the, make the move? It was like, I, you know, I joined GM on January 3rd, 2011. And like the final last day was, was June 30th, 2022. Right. Um, and it was fulfilling. I was never not bored there. Uh, but at the flip side, like, you know, like I love footwear. I've always like, if I have like a, it's weird because like in the footwear world, I'm seen as a car designer that loves shoes. And then like in the car world, I'm seen as a, a shoe designer that loves cars. So it's like, it's this weird, like juxtaposition that sometimes frustrates the hell out of me, but you know, kind of is what it is. And I, the, the first opportunity just kind of happened with itself, basically six months after I started working, like APL contacted me and I kept blogging. That was probably the key thing. Like I kept blogging. So I like kept my name out there and, you know, we talked about it in the last episode, but the join of GM was more based off of the idea that I knew I wouldn't get that opportunity again. Right. So I went there and then somehow the footwear opportunities kept coming through and I had turned down Adidas. And Adi was really still wanting me for like two years at GM. They just kept like contacting me like every four, every four months. And like, that was cool, but they also gave me contract work. So these couple ones like kept happening and like, I, I, I'll be honest, like financially, I was like, oh, well, that paid for that. I was like, <laughs> like, like that, that added that, that did like, all right, I balanced it. Well, at that time we didn't have kids. We didn't, we didn't, it was just us. And she was in the midst, my wife was in, not she, she, my, my wife was in the midst of getting her master's and stuff. So she was kind of tied up doing stuff. I was like, all right, let's keep doing this. And 
then it was like, all right, we had Gavin and I was like, all right, well, this is probably going to need to end. And then by that time I had like accumulated like so many things. So that's like, by the time we had Gavin, it was roughly five years of me doing this stuff, three and four, four and a half years of me doing it. And I had started accumulating kind of repeat clients at that point. And I just told them and they're like, we'll work with your schedule. And I was like, well, that wasn't something I was expecting. Right. So then I just kept that mentality of like, hey, I'll do this, but you need to understand that from this time to this time, I'm at GM. From this time, I'm doing this with the kids. I will knock it out between here and there, and I'll do it on weekends and then things like that. And you're just going to have to be content that like, yo, you shoot me a text, I'll respond to you like that. You hit me with an email, I'll respond to you like that. I'll be able to make a call, but that will have to be scheduled. Uh, if you want to run flexibility with me, I'm down. And I just kind of kept that attitude and it just kept growing and growing and growing. And then it got to the point where, you know, after doing it for, you know, a decade, I would say realistically about 2016, I was like telling Stacy, I was like, yo, we should jump into this. Like, I just want to, I, I know I can make this work. There was obviously, I had so many, I still had so many opportunities, but it was always like, move out here, come do this, put this other stuff aside. And like, you and I had talked about it. I mean, for I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm not going to give like a number or anything like that, but I was making my salary at GM. And then I was making at least equal to that on the side. That is a large salary. We had come to live a lifestyle that pertained to that. Uh, I did earn it. I'm not being arrogant about it. So anybody that's thinking it, and I'm grateful for it. I'm humble for it. Uh, but I would argue with these other shoe companies. I was like, no, you're buying out my consultancy because I'm not going to be able to do it again. 100%. And that would frustrate them and other pieces like that. And it was just like, all right. But what that actually taught me was that I'm just going into another like I'm going into another political system that I have to learn how to navigate. Right. And I kind of got to this point of where I was really working with clients that we all had the best interest of each other. Mm -hmm. And they grew to a point, like there's multiple of them that kind of grew to the point where it was like, no, it's not just this one project. Now we have shoes, right? And now we have collections. We have this other thing. And it kept growing. And we all just kind of realized how much we valued each other and the way we worked. And that just kind of put us over the edge. And it was like, just make the jump. It was basically that that 2016 area, like became enough where it started getting serious, the conversation of like, all right, if not now, then when? And then there were some things that happened this past, like the past 18 months, uh, both like family wise. And then obviously COVID happened. And that was enough for me to be like, like, I don't need to move, period. Like, we all know how to do this now. You're catching up to the way I've been working right. and the way I've been working within the corporate environment on top of that. Um, so I was like already, you know, people were trying to figure out how to, you know, just train for that. And I was already sprinting in the Olympics by the time COVID happened. <laughs> and it was like, it, it just, everything just kind of kept enabling itself. And then on top of that, like, you know, more like any other person on the planet like I didn't on any other person but like I didn't come from money like everything that I have I figured out on my own so you always have that like heavy thought in the back of your head especially being from the midwest like, corporations they take care of you that's health insurance that's <laughs> like what are you doing why would you want to go and risk your entire family's life even though that like you've never hit the 
you know, the, the down payment on your health insurance for the year, you've never hit any of that because you're all healthy, but man, you're, you're making a crazy statement. And what I like, like, I just had to realize kind of to the beginning of our conversation as like what drives the difference into you was just realizing that we had hit a peak of what our experiences were compared to those that were around us. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that they're below us by any means, but trying to relate isn't the same. Uh, and that doesn't mean that we don't get along or any of that. What I'm saying is like their knowledge was where they've gotten themselves to and they're happy with where they're at. I've peaked where that's at. I now need to figure something else on my own. And with Stacy's career blowing up, as I was telling you, on the flip side, our children are in between two people that have very successful and very demanding careers, and we like that demand. We like what we do. Uh, it needed a little bit of balance. I have this one thing that I'm doing on the side that's entirely flexible for the most part uh, mm -hmm. to me, and then I have this other one that's incredibly structured, and is there flexibility? Yes, but it's within reason, and that's understandable. I'm not critiquing it. Uh, and I needed to make a decision and the decision was honestly quite easy because I had a decade of data saying that we have this, we know that this and this is here right now and guaranteed. And on top of that, some of those companies are blowing up to the point of like where it's at, that it was like, if I don't take this now, I will look back and regret on top of it. And it just all came to accumulation on top of some side family stuff that I know I'm going to have to pay attention to over the next year or two. And it was just like, do it, go. And we did it. We made the decision in January. I think I told you, like I had an offer from Under Armour to like go and do the innovation out there. And it was cool. Uh, and I was like, yep, Clay. I was like, uh, I was like, just let me live in Detroit. Like I'll fly back and forth and we right. can do it. And he was like, it doesn't end. That's fine. What they needed for their purposes and what they needed in life needed me on the ground out there. And once I turned that down, I was like, Brent, you don't want like, like you're 38, like you've already navigated one political system and you haven't figured out, do you really want to go back, get in another, or is it just time to go all in on what you've been doing? And we just did it. And, and, you know, I'm going further off tangent, but all of those things that are 401ks that our taxes and our insurance plans, and all that stuff, yo, this is America. Like you can figure out anything you want to do with it but you have to put in energy and effort and ask the questions and hustle your ass off to find the answer and to find the right thing. That's the only part that's frustrating is that, that journey of, of finding it out because we make it so hard. But yeah. you're the type of person and all everything you just said is based because you want to continuously learn. You're wildly curious and you've peaked beyond that at your former job. And you, now you want to figure that out and i'm in a similar boat right like five months ago i joined a startup and they have i'll call it below average health insurance it's not great and like you know like you gotta like figure these things out and you and you you gotta like make these calls all over again and like there is no 401k it's like okay well then i gotta figure out a different way of like investing my money and like making sure that like i'm good long term yeah. well, I'm do this and bet on myself right now um but but man, like every day I wake up and I'm like so energized because I don't know what, literally don't know what's going to, like there is no, I don't consider my job a safety blanket. Like, yeah. like, I, like the corporate structure, like a massive, like infrastructure that's been around for 30 years, 50 years, a hundred years, like 
there is some sort of safety, but yes, you could get laid off, et cetera, et cetera. But like, ultimately you're good. And like now it's like, okay, I literally have to, you mentioned the analogy of like, I have to ride the wave and like, just go with the way that things are going to come at me and I can't fight it because that's not going to be positive for me one way or another. So um, what an interesting time. It's, um, it's, it's interesting because like where, where I can tell you that I know that I did differ like directly from my peers that I can't relate to. And, and like, there's going to be so many people who are like, yeah, but like GM is like so safe. Like this is so what it is. And like, look what it provides you. And, and I, I was grateful for what it provided, but at the same time, no matter what, I always looked at my career in two year spans and it was like six months in front of what I can for surely do six months after that of what I can plan for six months after that of what I can hope for. And then six months after that of what I know nothing of, that I have to be able to adapt to. I always looked at it like that every time. So even if we looked at, yes, it has a, I think GM is like 115 years of existence or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that Brett has a hundred years of existence of what that is, nor does that mean any of those other people do. It's going to move on without me, no matter what. And it taught me so much to realize that. Like it taught me so much to look at myself and like, all right, I made all of this happen within this system and what it is, what else can I go and do? And if anything, it enabled me by learning all that data to just feel confident to go and do what I needed to do that was right for me. I know that not everybody's built like that. And I know that that scares people probably more than, uh, than it does. But I also think not to get like too crazy on it or anything like that. I also do think like our system is set up to keep people in the system. And yeah. like, I, I never fucking wanted that, man. Like, I never <laughs> wanted that at all. Like, and this is, this is like what I said I was going to do when I was in middle school. Like, fuck the system. Like, I'm not staying in that shit. It's not for me. And ultimately, that also means that that doesn't work for them either, right? So it was like, yo, go do your thing and prove to yourself that you can fucking do it. Like, that's really what it came down to. That's, uh, yeah, I, I love that drive and that ambition. And like, why, if not now, then when, right? It's like, you gotta, you gotta try these things. Um, what do you think is like the, the biggest challenge that you're gonna face, right? So you already have a built up clientele around you, right? As you, as you, you're, you're officially starting, like, do you have like a, a name for your business? Like what, like your design consultancy or whatever, however you're starting. Design director for a company called Snibs. And that's, that's something I've been working with for, for two and a half years now. It's with Daniel Shemton and, and Hike Zaytoven and, and a few other ones. And they're, they're chefs and stuff. And that's, that's been incredible. Uh, but yeah, my own personal thing, I'm calling it good people, good design, actually. And, uh, and it's just kind of the, the mantra of like, the mantra of the same reason that brought me together with those guys, which they're, they're a startup, you know, they, they're doing really, really well in sales, and we're growing the line rapidly. Um, but it's essentially the mantra of like, Every project that I did and everything, even internally in GM, like Corvette and Hummer and a few, and, and even smaller projects like Tahoe, Equinox, and the, the electric blazer that just came out. The real reason that like those were successful was it was just a small team of people that probably from the outside looking in looked like they were enabled, but realistically we enabled ourselves. Like we didn't wait for somebody to tell us to do something. We didn't wait for 
somebody to be like, you can make this happen. Like, no, the world will not stop for you, no matter what it is. It's time to go and take it. And luckily, I've been with people that have a similar mentality of knowing when to strike and knowing how to do it and maybe not having all the answers, but believing they can find the answers, right? And that is what I'm really driven towards. Uh, the thing that probably scares me the most, to be honest with you, is man, like I've hit my balance of what I believe life is. Like what what life that that like 16, 17 year old, 18 year old Brett could come up with is it's here and I have it. And like not losing interest in that and not getting bored with it. Uh, I do believe I have a three to four year window to really make this thing thrive. And I think if it goes properly, hopefully I don't have to worry about the idea of work and I can be more selective. But um, this mentality of, uh, and what I mean by that is I'm not saying like strike it rich or anything like that. What I'm saying is like, I hit the point of being able to say no. And, you know, it's good if I don't have to do things for two months, three months, four months, five months until the right thing finds it. Um, but the other part is just as, as you mentioned, it's just this undying, un, undying quest of, of, of needing more and growing more and learning more. Um, but like, if you were to tell me like, like, yeah, I want an experience of Ferrari, but I don't care. Like if I don't, you know what I mean? But like, realistically, like I have the house I want. I have the wife that like I wanted since like seventh grade, like since we knew each other, <laughs> I have the two kids, like I have balance of where I can draw, but I can also get in the business side of things. I develop and help create the products. So, I have the Brett, all of that, you know. What, what's missing, or are you? Have you found equilibrium in life right now? Like, are you? What? What? Like, what? Is it just like the constant pursuit of learning more things, or is, is there something missing that you're trying to achieve and accomplish? I think there may be. Is there something missing that I'm trying to achieve and accomplish? I want, I mean, if I have to be realistic, it's making sure that my kids feel a level of confidence in who they are and are able to go. And, and that is a, that is the greatest challenge I've ever had in my life. That is not easy for me. Like, like it's just making sure that they are so well set up for what life can potentially throw at them. That, that is the piece that still drives and challenges me. I am by no means in cruise control with the career or anything like that. Um, I'm in the midst of, you know, learning sub D modeling and other things like that to kind of take it a little bit further. Um, I also have a belief that the footwear industry in its current existence, it doesn't have a chance of staying. I, I don't believe it has the chance of whether it's government intervention coming just because of the way they are annihilating the planet and how they produce stuff. The wildest stuff that's been mind boggling to me is, and this isn't at SNIBS, but talking with other friends like out that are in, in the corporations, corporations is like, there's always like this stand, this stalemate that like the American automotive industry is so far behind in how they do stuff. And it is wild to me how little of balance of growth and leadership and that of amongst ethnicity, amongst male, female, amongst all these other pieces exists in the footwear world and just how lack of diversity there absolutely is. That's mind blowing to me. There's so much that I see within the footwear world that I'm like, this can't maintain the way it is. 
and how volume has really taken over what mm. is determined as like good product and knowing that like, you know, I, I don't have a master of like a lot of the worlds that, that you get into from the NFT side, the Gary V side or something like that. But let's use Gary V as an example, right? I don't know his mass amount of followers, but it's a ridiculous amount. Mm. Let's say 30% of them, if he was to offer a shoe and 30% of them, that's got to easily be a million pairs, right? All right. So what we're talking first year of Monarch sales that everybody goes nuts about, right? I mean, so, he, he, uh, he did last summer, he did for 24 hours, he opened up his like book sale and he sold over a million copies. All right. So look at it that way. 24 and started, hours, 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. He went platinum in 24 hours. Right. I mean, like, you know, when you sit and look at it in those terms of things, smaller niche volume product and enabling a person to have their own view is far better. Like, you know, you, you know, me, you know, I grew up loving like the athletic sports type of world. And that's what brought me to footwear design. But it's like, let's fucking sit, look at Nike basketball. They've got like 15 athletes that all have signature athletes. They're all so confusing as what they are. Each one of them have somewhere between three, maybe 25 million followers, what it is. Why are they dealing with that conglomerate that is simply trying to make a stockholder happy? They're not going to give them a piece of their pie. They're going to tell them to go make more, buy more stocks. They've, they've set it in their own book. So all those guys need to do is tap into the market that they have and enable other people to make the product for them. It's, it's like uh, I'm from a very small town, like a small town makes me feel good. Like I like being around it, but it's, it's almost like everybody's able to have their own small town, like their own small community as to what it is. I just don't believe 20 years from now that the way the footwear world is will exist in what it's going to become. So that's how I, I think, I think you're, you're very much onto something. I think that the, let's call it the top five brands will survive maybe three, four and five shuffle around, but mm. I think top five will survive. And a lot of the mid tier brands will die. Um, mm. they, they, because, it, because I think you're spot on is too much. And there's no leverage for them. There's going to be, there's not, the, I, th I don't think there's going to be enough tech or, or, or modifications that footwear is going to be able to adapt to, to separate all these different brands. Um, but it's also, like, you've lost so much like identity amongst all those brands. Like totally. even those small brands, like you, you know, coming out of college, like you could tell everybody had their own difference and their own take on like what trend was and what it is. And now, man, like, I don't care what avenue of product you look at, there's barely any differentiation between any of them, which is something that's fascinating to me. And, and that's to me, it's a, I don't know those in, inner leadership scenarios well enough to critique it in a proper way. But the, the way I do look at it is that there's a level of there's a level of a lack of design driving it. It's it's letting the market decide it and you know that those sales are consistent. Like we're sitting here watching like, like if I'm a Nike like marketing or Nike sales leader and I'm sitting here looking at everything that's reselling constantly on GOAT, StockX, and then also my own app, it's hard to argue with the algorithm, print out more colorways of the limited edition Travis Scott. You know what I mean? It's like, I hit my goals for the year. Like I'm good, you know? So it's like this innovation lead it. And, and where does that take it, right? I don't know. I think this is a very interesting conversation. A lot's going to change over the next, I'll call it five to 10 years. I think we're going to really hit a, a transition point. I I think that my move even personally was is leading 
uh, on the leading front of that. I, I don't think time's caught up and a lot of people are probably going to start thinking more more carefully about that if they're if they're kind of a, a curious person, let's call it, versus following the traditional uh, way of of building a career. Um, well, I think the, the other thing is like, and, and what I've valued about like your move is just that. It's like taking the risk to, to go on something that you know is going to be a forefront in some way, shape or form. And what I find fascinating about yours is very similar to like what actually drives me with like Snibs is that like social media and the entire connected world has opened up everything to be cool. Meaning that like, I don't know. I didn't grow up with kids talking about chefs. Like I, that wasn't something that happened. Those are like people that went and figured it out, but there's a massive amount of chefs out there, right? Flip it into the art scene. Like nobody really grew up talking about that type of stuff either. You found your way into it. You know what I mean? So every, every, pick your genre, pick whatever you want it to be. You can find your community. So why, why don't you want to serve those communities? You know? And, and guess what? And if you, transitioned your life into that community that you have a passion or a hobby in you're probably going to be 10 times happier than not working and surviving in that field totally agree yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty wild we're, we're on to something brett we're on to something <laughs> um so what what do you um what are you excited about like can you talk about any of the work that you've most recently done or towards the end of your transition or like some of the stuff obviously uh you worked on a new basketball line uh mm-hmm. with the NBA player um is there something that you're you're super, just the office you're super I have the second oh. behind me so I can't show it but uh, uh, yeah I mean ethics was ethics was amazing and again that's a good example of like two people coming across each other, like Lang and I, Langston Galloway, um, and working with him was, uh, still working with him and hanging, talking every once in a while and, and communicating as to what best serves him and everything like that. But it was nice, like, to meet somebody that you put, like, like I've met plenty of NBA players in my journey and, and been around them, but to have one that I can call a friend is a different conversation. And like that idea of NBA players, like put on a pedestal or athlete or whatever you want to pick, you can put that for doctor, you can do anything, right? And to be able to have open conversation and hear how they think, see how he trains, see what he does for himself, see other pieces like that, that that was awesome. And that that product and that journey really related into that. And I think um, for that basketball shoe, for the people that do have it and the people that are still buying it and what's going on, like, you know, we out kicked our coverage. Like it would be $165 to $185 basketball shoe from any of the other companies. And it's a really, really good shoe. And I'm very thankful for that journey. Uh, some of the other stuff, like working with, with Snibs has been amazing because it is this under, this, like right now, if you get on the site, they have a shoe called the Space Cloud, which is their their take on like a chef's shoe. And I've been able to help with like colorways and other stuff like that. But my my shoe uh, will be called the Orbit. That comes out in October. Nice. And, uh, and then like shoe three, four, five, six, seven, like I'm getting samples in every day. Those are all coming in a way. And what's been fun is like, that's an area that like I'm really passionate about and like we talk about like food, we talk about these other things and like, and they're like, like, yo, we eat like real food. Like, like it's like, you get to go see like these real chefs and like their, their state. And what's beautiful about that is like those, 
like the way I described it to, to Daniel and Hike is like what you're focusing on is making sure that that person that creates this extraordinary food, this art and these other pieces is making sure that nothing is in their way to lose their focus or their attention at that moment, right? And like that opens up so many different problem solving scenarios and what to create around. And that's, we've been working on like, you know, I've, I've worked with knit before, but like really working with knit in this way and, and water resistant, spill resistant and all these other pieces has like brought a new creative vision out of it. But then also making sure that these shoes don't look like, uh, for lack of a better term, a tool, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is that element to it. They will always be function first, but on the other part is bringing that emotional value into it. We're in the midst of doing uh, a lot of amazing stuff that I'm so, so hyped about. And that's been great working with that factory and those group of people. You know, in the past, like Robbie Fuller has always been something that's extraordinarily important to me and uh, always been a major uh, fan of me and, and helping me. And like, we worked together on Anta for a long time with a few other people. Like, I, you know, I was... I can't say that I, I there's shoes that I have like 80% influence on, but it always went over to another team and they would finish it. But working on a lot of the Clay Thompson product in that sense, working on, uh, why am I stumbling on his name? Um, uh, Gordon. Anyway, yeah, it plays with the Celtics. Working on uh, Gordon Hayward, working on his product and like doing that type of stuff and helping with it. But then also just kind of learning how to be the blue sky for the footwear side of those things. Um, another one is working with EQLZ, which we've talked about before. And they're interesting because they are the new generation of like footwear pioneers in the sense of like so many rules that have been put on shoes in the sense of like, you know, the companies that are 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And they're like, let's just rewrite all of that and do what we think is right for our consumer. They've accepted that like, yeah, they love basketball. And they do a lot with basketball product, but as we all know, most of that basketball product doesn't make it to the court. So why do we have to follow the same rules as everybody else, you know? And that that journey has been extraordinary as well. Uh, so, I mean, those are some of the things that I'm, I've been grateful to work on and be a part of and do. And, and then, you know, just the other part that I'm really excited to get back into is like, I don't know, man, I just bought like a beautiful setup. I think it gets here tomorrow, but like, I want to do this, this series on like my whole IG of like, why did I buy this? And like, <laughs> I, I have, uh, I have, I, and real nerdily, like I'm huge into streetwear and like other pieces like that. And like, there's a group of us that, that has a text, text chain called uh, Fits of Fury. And I'm the only one that's not in LA. But like I got tired of typing like everything that I was wearing and like why I had it. We would we put up an image every day like this is what the fit is. Here's what it is. Blah blah blah. So I just started taking videos of it and like some of those dudes are in media and other things like that. Like this is incredible. And I was like, oh, I'm just I'm just screwing around. Right. But it it tripped me off enough that like I have so many reasons to why like I'm looking at my I'm looking at this this circle of shoes over here yeah yeah i have so many reasons why i bought the zavachka that people think is so stupid or the mayfly or i didn't just buy the prada adidas because it's prada and adidas i bought it because of its shape and its material and its construction and that type of stuff i feel is lacking from the footwear conversation these days so i'm gonna do these like three minute videos i'm gonna do them once a week and kind of talk about that and 
you know, go in on, on that. I'm really excited about that. Cause that's, that's where I have my most fun. I love that. No. And I, I do the same, like, especially anytime somebody sends me and thank you for the EQLZ uh, slides. Uh, I got a couple uh, pretty good comments on that video that I put up on YouTube as a sneaker <laughs> unboxing. Even like one person was like, Oh, I need these. Can do they ship to Canada? Then he comments back. He's like, fuck, they don't ship to Canada. <laughs> 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 so it's like, and then you meet these people and like, you never know where things are going to take you. So yeah, I'm a big fan of like putting yourself out there. And, and especially once like you get positive reaction, it's like, okay, yeah, let's, let's ride this out and see what can happen. Yeah. Um, now that you, the question that I have is like, now you previously, you were like focused, let's call it primarily on another business being automotive with like, let's call it part-time and footwear. Are you full-time footwear now? Is it 80% footwear? Like what, or, or do you think like, you're going to put a footwear again, like, hey, man, creative, creativity is creativity. I'd be happy to to do that side of things. And creative journey is creative journey. Uh, I do have a lot on my plate in making sure, like, the product roadmap that we're doing for Snips, like, gets out there and stuff. But it's it's balancing those things. And, I mean, if I have to be real with you, like, being, like, the great confidence that we have is that my wife's income is good enough that if we do go stale for like four months or something, five, six, seven months, we're fine. We can pay the mortgage. We can do what we need to do. Like we're good to go in that sense. Right. So I'm not just taking on anything to take anything on. Like I, I, what I did learn through like my journey of, uh, of doing this stuff is interview them more than they interview me. And, uh, because I know how I work. I know that like my style of work may not work for everybody. A lot, mm-hmm. some people, when they're paying you uh, in that sense, there's like a, it sounds maybe too dramatic, but there's a sense of ownership and they want you out there back and call at any moment. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, I have like 15 years of history of doing this. I know what I'm doing. If you don't want, if, if you want to be controlling because this is your money, I get it. I respect it. You got to find somebody that's going to work with you in that way. So my point and answer to that is I, I will work with people that want to creatively excel and question what things are and make sure that you have a real opinion on what you're trying to do and what you're offering to the world. Uh, and we can always talk just as simple as that. But yeah, I mean, right now it's surrounding myself with people that want to do great things and keep it going. Just simply put. That's awesome. Um, one of the, the, closing traditions that I have on this podcast is is one asking where people can find you but they could look back on your previous episode it's that be golf uh go check it out on everywhere you have your own website right is it brettgolf.com yeah, so actually if we put a goal together I gotta redo the website but yes it is brettgolf <laughs> <laughs> um but but one of the final questions that I've been asking especially like I'm now in season I think season 10 of these I don't do 10 episodes a season but it's like seven or eight episodes a season um if you were to pass away tomorrow, and I know this is morbid, but I actually think it's pretty positive. If you were to pass away tomorrow, what's like one thing that you want to be remembered by? Like if if it could be anything, right? It could be about your creative style. It could be about your impact. It could be um, the way you've transformed your wife's life. It could be anything. Like if 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 you were to go, like one, would you be okay with that? And then two, like what would you want to be remembered by? Yeah, I think I have to break that into two sides. Like I got to break that into like father Brett and then well, maybe it's father and husband Brett and then uh, professional Brett. Like from a professional standpoint, I mean, realistically, 
Um, there's other stuff that I could say that I want to do that would make me feel really good of like, oh, I got to design this or I got to be a part of that. But realistically, what would drive me out of that is the conversations and the learning, not necessarily the, the end result. It would be the journey of it that would be incredible. Um, I, I think that I have far, I know that I've far exceeded what anybody from my hometown like put on me and thought that it could ever make. They didn't even think any of this would be real, right? So like, I'm good professionally. Google me, cool, good, nailed it. I'm already there and far better for it. Uh, I'm thankful from that sense of the people that it's connected me with, like people like you uh, and many, many other people around the world that have all become like dear friends and family and, and that. So I would be all right in that sense. I don't know that I'd be all right on the personal side. Like I still had business left to do with the kids and getting them there. Like, yo, Tessa brought home. So Tessa's five. She brought home just like, she's fucking good at drawing, like really, really <laughs> And like, she brought home just two awesome paintings. And like, what's fun about her is like, if it was a year ago, you know, we we're drawing in the lines and like coloring and learning to color in the lines and stuff like that. Now she has completely shifted to like, no, I'm drawing my own thing. And like, as opposed to like taking a coloring book paint, she's like, I will draw my own leaves. I will draw my own flowers. I will do this. And that, oh my God, that's so much fun to me. Watching my son when he decides to let him creatively go, like is, is awesome. Uh, you know, you know, Jason Maiden at all. Like, so I, mean, I don't know him personally now, but I know who he is. Jay's good, 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 good friend of mine and like mentor. And like, I got, he recently wrote a kid's design book and I yeah. got it. Yeah. So I got it for Gav and Gav took it into like his book class last year. And like, he did it without me knowing it. Like a lot of times I, I, I don't like to like where I fail and I, that I'm trying to work on, like where I fail as like a father is like, I don't blend my two worlds at me. There's career and there's home. And like, they may see me working on it, but I'm sometimes like ashamed in the sense that I'm working on it and not doing something. So I don't talk about it enough. And I, that's when I'm really trying to change. Uh, like this past summer, we, I had, I kept them home from camps on Thursdays and, uh, and like one of the days we just did a shoe design class and I just mm -hmm. put shit out like, yo, make a shoe, draw it, do it out of this Play-Doh, whatever it may be. So I'm trying to get better at that. But anyway, Gav brought that book to school and that opened up like Maiden was like, yo, set up like a mentor with me and him. And I was like, all right. So got him on Zoom and like seeing Gavin open up and that light was, gosh, it was extraordinary. So that would be the stuff that I'm missing. And then obviously just the journey with my wife. I mean, we've, we've gosh, we were like, uh, we got together in 2000 and uh 2002 technically so yeah i mean we're 20 years into this right yeah. so like that beat and that that life and not seeing that through that that would be hard to give up that would be hard to miss but yeah. overall i mean even if i did go away i'd be a living legend <laughs> but yeah and i'm yeah. i'm so happy to hear that like it uh, you know even from the last time you were on this podcast like life's changed so much and you seem like you're in such a great place and like i'm super stoked and proud of you like um, I can't wait to see more of the product that you you created with the great people that are around you. Uh, I'm super thankful for everything that you've shared. Uh, every time like I need somebody to call and like bounce a real idea off of or I need fucking help and I don't know who to ask like you've always been there. So uh, I'm very, very grateful for all of that. I'm so stoked that you wanted to come back on and and talk about like your new kind of transition in life and um, I can't recommend that people follow your journey more, um, and check you out if you're still listening. I mean, we've been riffing for an hour now, so, um, 
you're definitely on the, the longer side of the podcast these days, but it, it's been amazing. So I'm, I'm very, very thankful and grateful that you came on. Um, anything you want to leave the people with or anything you want to say as a motorcycle races by and probably cut out my voice? So, no, I mean, thank you for everything. And if you don't, if you do know who I am and have followed me and stuff, just, just thank you. I appreciate it. If anybody ever needs like advice or questions or thoughts, how to navigate this journey, I'm always happy to give you an opinion and guidance. Like don't hesitate to reach out. Golif at on Instagram is my last name. And then, I mean, you can find the email on there and everything else like that. I'm not, I'm not hard to find, but I'm totally down to talk with anybody. So I'm sure most of the times when people are going through something that they can't figure out in their career, it's, it's usually just finding the confidence to ask people what it is. So don't, don't hesitate, reach out and I'll help you. hundred percent. I think it's a beautiful way to end. Brad, thanks so much. This is episode 70. I can't believe I'm at 70 episodes of this damn podcast. It's been a long yeah. time. So uh, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Thank you.